Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Death. Uh, joining me as always is uh, my co-host, La Urena, and we are wrapping up Slasher Pass season with 2015's The Final Girls, uh, which is a favorite movie of mine since I first saw it. So I'm spoiling that right up front that, uh, yes, I absolutely love this movie, and I, for it to be the final thing that we review is perfect, in my opinion, because it's got everything that I love in a horror comedy, and probably more emotions than uh i mean about any other movie you could have out there in this genre so i mean it's it's a good one in my opinion yeah yeah Uh, one that you've been trying to get me to watch forever too yeah so i'm hoping that when we get to the end of this you, you you uh you don't hate it so we'll see how that goes save your opinion for for when we discuss it a little bit all right all right tagline who will survive uh, directed by Todd Strauss Schulson, written by M.A. Fortin and Joshua John Miller, music by Gregory James Jenkins and Eddie Zach, made for a budget of $4.5 million. It unfortunately had a very, very limited uh, release in movie theaters, uh, got kicked right out, and has not really you know, ma- made a ton of money on the other side. It's only made like $1.3 million, and most of that is through DVD and Blu-ray sales, so it lost money, and that's the reason it never got a sequel, which that's I hate. wild. Okay, so hold on. Let me see. Uh, 70, it's got a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, and let me see. That is for actually the Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter and audience score right on par with each other. Audience score is slightly lower at 71%, but 75 is legit for Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. It's, um, it's got a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, and then, of course, it, you know, on my phone, it is really honestly a, like, surprise wherever you see a movie and Google's like, did you like this movie? Because 90% of people like this movie. Sometimes it shows up and sometimes it doesn't. I can't find it. Uh, I I think it's a shame that it never got more, but I mean, I only know about it because I randomly, I was reading some kind of, uh, I want to say it's like a Fangoria or, uh, maybe it was Rue Morgue or something at the time. Uh, even maybe horror hound magazine, but whatever it was, it was, um, they mentioned it as being like a modern slasher and, uh, you know, promoted it. And I, and I, you know, sought it out. I, I, I think I bought it from Amazon, because uh, as well as movies that you could like, you know, rent or buy, and I bought it and uh, and really enjoyed it. And I'm just like, this is criminally underrated. This is one of those movies like Frailty that more people need to know about. Oh, yeah, Frailty. <laughs> uh, principal players, we have Tysa Farminga playing Max Cartwright, who is our final girl in this movie. And she is a final girl in every sense of the fucking word. I mean, she if she lives the trope, I mean, to to the nth degree in this movie. Yes, I had to. I used her as a good example to teach my daughter what a final girl was. And 
also to start teaching her the rules of scary movies, which she did not know. Slasher films, I should say, more than anything. Uh, it's a good one to start her on. I mean, it, it defines the, the character yeah. type more than any other movie. Uh, she's obviously in The Nun and The Nun 2. Uh, she's going to be in the new Conjuring movie because they're linking them together. Wow. Um, uh, they're, they're, well, let, let me just throw this out there and you can make whatever assumptions you, you want to make. Her sister plays uh, Lorraine Warren. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, her real life sister, they look quite a bit alike. The nun takes place before, you know, the conjuring, you can kind of fill in the gaps. No, I'm not, I'm not putting the two together. I, I'm thinking all kinds of things. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that that well wasn't the nun way before Lorraine Warren? No, they they established that the nuns like maybe in the 30s or 40s, so it's it's like it or maybe 20s at the earliest. It's not that far back. Do you think that she is Lorraine Warren? They reveal something the nun okay. too. She's she's not Lorraine. Okay. But... Okay. I mean, well, the nun too is available for me to watch. I forget if it's on. Again, Peacock or whatever streaming service I have. I just need to fucking watch it. I haven't. They they reveal there's a link between the two okay. of them. And the fact that they look so much alike, yeah. they, they tied that together. That's kind of cool. I, well, I'm, I'm here for it. So, okay. Uh, she was also an American Horror Story, you know, Murder House. Murder specifically, House. The best one. The best one, yeah. She I'm wasn't in any of the which ones? Uh, she was in Coven, which oh, okay. is also the second best one. Okay, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. She was in all the best ones. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad you say that because a lot of people like uh, Asylum, and I didn't think that season. It was all right. It wasn't their worst season, but it wasn't the great either. I thought they threw too much in that season. Oh, I am so. That's exactly what I was about to say. Asylum went into. Asylum was like an asylum with underground tunnels that went into so many different directions, you didn't know where the fuck you were. Well, it was fine when they had the demon nun kind of lady. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was fine when they worked in the ghost angle. Okay, that makes sense in Asylum. Then they threw in fucking aliens. Aliens. I'm, like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out, dog. I'm I'm done. They like threw that. You, aliens you lost me. and the gays. <laughs> they did. They did do that. They literally, they went so many directions. It was like, can we focus on one thing? Like, can we, because there, there's... The potential of American Horror Story is that there's so many other seasons. You could have had a separate alien season. You could have had a separate season of, you know, literally they addressed how people were so against gay people back in the day. Yes, that was a thing, but so was the thing for black people. They addressed that, I feel like, in this season as well. Um, Yeah, they did, and I feel like. I'm like, you could have your own season of that and have them together in one season. I don't know. There's... they should have split it up for sure. Like yeah. They, there was, they, there was like, like you said, two or three seasons worth of ideas all crammed together. It's almost like, uh, uh, Ryan Murphy, I believe the guy that makes that series. It was like, he was like, we're, we're canceled. Just throw it all together. Yeah. And do the best we can. The asylum with can. ghosts and demons totally makes sense. You can have those, you know? Yeah. And they, they kind of go together. I mean, you know, in a, in a weird way, uh, I, uh, Coven does suffer from one thing, and that's they keep bringing all of the characters back after they've died like 14 times. Yeah. And I've heard that complaint, and I will accept it. But Coven has some of the best characters they've ever created in the series. Yeah. And I'll stand by that. Uh, so. th- I could have done without the Stevie Nicks, though. That was... Uh, yeah, Stevie Nicks was a little much yeah. toward the end, but... Whatever. Uh, 
Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. She plays Raven. She does the voice for Raven in that. Wait, I, I wasn't what? aware of that until I did this. What? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans again, the voice of Raven uh, in Teen Titans. Did she play <clears> Raven <throat> in the regular Teen Titans, or were these just the movies? I think just the movies. Okay, that with. makes sense. Oh, my God. Uh, we have Malin Ackerman playing Amanda Cartwright slash Nancy, who is both Max's mom and the pseudo-final girl uh, from the uh, you know movie Camp Bloodbath. Uh, that is what Amanda Cartwright was most known for playing. Um, <clears throat> Malin Ackerman's been in several things. Watchmen is one of her biggest roles. Uh, she was, I can't remember the character. I want to say it's Siren was maybe the name of her character, but she was hot in that movie. I mean, she's hot in this movie, don't get me wrong. She's hot she's in all the movies. I don't Watchmen. know any movie she's not hot in. She was hot in um, Rock of Ages. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was that movie that she was in that... I don't know. It's I think TikTok's listening to me. They probably are. Uh, but I after I watched this again, rewatched this again, they threw me this like clip from a movie that had Malin Ackerman in a bridal dress talking to uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Like she was talking, they were talking together, and she was like, uh, and and the the Catherine Heigl was that. She- Yes, yes, that's who it was, and and she had cut up their mom's wedding dress oh. and like reformulated it or whatever. Yes. To, Twenty-seven dresses. <laughs> okay, she she was pretty in that one too. I think she's hotter in this than she was in that movie, though. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but Malin Ackerman's a, a good actress. I, I like her quite a bit. Uh, Daniel Norris plays Billy Murphy, the masked revenge camp slasher. <laughs> uh, very very reminiscent of of Jason. Oh, Voorhees, big I mean. time. He's a huge motherfucker too. <laughs> Uh, chonky at that. I yeah. mean, uh, he is the guy who plays him or Daniel Norris is a stunt man. He plays in lots of, uh, he's been in lots of Marvel movies slash shows. Uh, we have Reg Rob playing the hunky hiker. Uh, the, the, the big black dude that comes in there. Oh it's like, yeah. To find his way to town. Uh, Lauren gross plays Mimi. Uh, the, uh, the girl who goes off into the woods, who's kind of a hip hippie type. And, you know, she ends up, uh, uh, trying to get down, but then uh, Billy Murphy shows up and ruins her fun. Uh, Thomas Middleditch plays Duncan Michaels, uh, which is uh, uh, like a, uh, a brother to Gertie. Well, he's like a half-brother to Gertie in the movie. Uh, I, I like him in this just because he, he plays almost like a shaggy-type character in this. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Kind of the goofy, you know, lanky guy. that kind of look know, like shaggy, too. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, actually, if you think about the four main characters, think about this. Thomas Middleditch is Shaggy. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who's, uh, the, the big jock or whatever. Alexander Ludwig is, uh, Fred. Uh, Tysa Farminga is Daphne. And then, uh, and Ali, Aaliyah Shawcott, who plays Gertie is, oh, yeah. uh, Velma. Oh, yeah. But they, there's one extra girl, though. Yeah, but I mean, she's not really in their friend group. She's That's kind true. of a friend of me, you know. Uh, so yeah. Outside of all that. <laughs> uh, anyways, Thomas Middleditch was in Godzilla: King of Monsters, Solar Opposites. He does a voice acting job, and he's one of my favorite cameos in Zombieland: Double Tap when he plays like the uh, the anti-Columbus. Like he's like the 
the other version of Columbus, like because yeah, there's another version of uh, Tallahassee that he's running around with, who's played by Luke Wilson in that movie. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, Chloe Bridges plays Paula, the original Camp Blood final girl and badass. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, striking a match on her big engineer boots that she's got, and she drives a big fancy, what is it, a Firebird yeah. or something she's got. Uh, she was in Pretty Little Liars, and she's worked with Adam Devine on several other projects. I guess that's why they were paired together in this movie. Okay. Uh, Adam Devine plays Kurt, the dumb pseudo-jock who's a misogynistic asshole. Uh <laughs> Stupid as fuck, too. Like, yeah. his comeback line. He's like, what you just suck a turd? And they're like, this. And then Thomas Middle, it's my favorite thing. He's like, the writing of this movie is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Adam Devine's mostly known for Workaholics, the TV show. Uh, he's great in The Righteous Gemstones. It's on uh, HBO. Uh, he was in Pitch Perfect 1 and 2, played Bumper in that. And, uh, I think they've even got a bumper side movie that they've made or talked about with him in it. Uh, he he does voice acting in Uncle Grandpa. I didn't know that. What the That's fuck? A weird cartoon. Yeah, what the fuck is up with Uncle Grandpa? My kids used to love that. I'm like, what kind of fucking? <laughs> so- I had a I had a buddy who showed me that show, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And he and he's got like a friend named Pizza Steve or something in it. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this show is. This is weird as shit, man. What in the <laughs> Arkansas is this show about? Like. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know this, but Adam Devine was in Modern Family at one point. And uh, when we first met, it's a time travel movie uh, that he did with Alexandria Daddario. And I had to throw it in there because, I mean, we just talked about a time travel movie. And technically, this one is in a weird roundabout way. Yeah. But, uh, Angela Trimber plays Tina, who's just the dumb hoe in the movie that always has to get naked at any opportunity <laughs> and, and do guys for no reason. Uh, and if you remember, she was the kind of the hot goth chick in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, the one that was uh, oh, yeah. all about golden showers that I talked about. Oh, my God. It didn't look like her because she's like she's skinny in this film, but she's got definitely more muscle tone. And in that movie, she was skinny, skinny. Yeah, and she's also like bubbly in this and like yes. smiling all the time and like completely opposite to the character she played in Halloween 2. She's got acting chops. She She had almost a Britney Spears look to her. In this film. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Torian Thompson plays uh, Blake, who's the non-traditional guy. He's kind of like the, you know, the the guy who's got the suspenders on and he's getting on Aaliyah's Shock House character. He he did, yeah. I mean, it was kind of hinted that he might be, but he hadn't figured that out yet because it was the 80s. Yeah. You know. Uh, Aaliyah's Shock plays Gertie Michaels, who is Max's BFF, uh, and had sex with a, a guy who was on the spectrum. Oh, God. <laughs> that conversation between her and the the the, the mean girl, uh, Vicky, is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, uh, Leah Shawcott, I know her best from Arrested Development because she played uh, 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 John, or let's see, is, is it, My, I can't remember his name now. It's George Michael. George oh, Michael yeah. Bluth. Played like his cousin that he was always infatuated with and had this whole weird like relationship with each other. Uh, she was also in Summer Camp Island, a voice actor in that, and she played in the, the horror movie Green Room. <clears throat> uh, Nina Dobrev plays Vicky Summers, who is Max's frenemy. Um, 
she was in the 2017 version of Flatliners and uh, was in the movie uh, Sick Girl. Uh, Alexander Ludwig plays Chris Biggs, who is Max's love interest, and he was in the Vikings uh, TV show, uh, played a, a very big part in that, and he was in the Hunger Games, Night Teeth, and in the same year, and which is very confusing he, confusing, he was in a movie called Final Girl, so he was in The Final Girls and a movie called Final Girl, both in 2015. Uh, oh, wow. They, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so not, <laughs> yeah. Synopsis. Last action hero meets slasher. Enough said. That's all you need. Uh, three years after losing her actress mother in a traffic accident, Max Cartwright reluctantly agrees to attend a horror movie marathon featuring her mother's most iconic role. A freak fire overtakes the rundown theater, and as the horror fans are scrambling to escape, Max and her friends are forced to find an exit through the most unlikely of places, the movie screen. The teens are transported to Camp Bloodbath and find they have to become part of the film to have any chance of getting back home. Unfortunately, the movie slasher Billy Murphy has noticed these interlopers and decided to add them to his kill list. Horror tropes are hard to break, Telling the final girl what she must endure was a mistake, and Nancy makes the ultimate sacrifice in the name of motherly love. Aww. Um, do you know? Do you know the reference though? Last Action Hero. Like, no, you know I've never that seen that. About? So it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and it's not very well known, but I love that fucking movie, and it's actually kind of a slasher. It really is. Oh yeah, you did mention that. Yeah, the guy who played in uh, House of the Devil, you know, played the creepy guy who yeah. owned the house, the big tall dude. Mm -hmm. He plays like an evil slasher with an axe in that movie. Uh, but anyways, this kid loves Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies or whatever Arnold Schwarzenegger's name is supposed to be in that reality. And so he goes to a movie theater that's like empty and the projectionist like is somehow magic or something. And the kid gets to go into the movie. And then at the end, and towards like the end, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the main evil guy come out of the movie into the real world. Yeah. So it's, that's what this that's movie cool. takes from. Yeah. Uh, body count is 19. That's pretty good. Ooh, that's pretty that's good. A, this is a really good way to end the season. That is a killer body count. <laughs> Uh, Amanda Cartwright killed in a car crash at the start of the movie. Yeah. So, you know, kind of, it's a really sad moment. Uh, six unnamed bullies are stabbed to death with a machete by Billy in a flashback. Uh, Hunk has his neck slash, uh, snapped by Billy. Uh, Mimi is strang strangled by Billy, breaking her neck. Uh, Duncan Michaels is impelled through the back with a machete by Billy and then hit with a car. Uh, oh, a yeah. Paula's car, in fact. Um, wait uh, a second, wait a second. I thought he was, was he impaled through the back? I thought he was, am I thinking the wrong character? No, it, was, no. it was the side. It, it was, was the side. side, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Paula is killed when her car, right after she hits yeah. Duncan, she crashes into a pole. <laughs> that was so funny. The, and then Kurt, at the same time, you know, gets he gets thrown out of the car, uh, and his body's just like laying on the ground, like in a heap. Yeah. Uh, the car, car explodes, killed, you know, if either of them are alive, they're dead now. So, yeah. Uh, Tina is decapitated when she accidentally sets off a tripwire. That's the funniest fucking yes. death in a movie. Uh, she comes running back in there and just trips and falls. Oh yeah. They don't even, they don't even acknowledge it. It's just like, all right, she's dead. You yeah. Know? Well, you don't have time to, they, she did her job. The killer's there. <laughs> and it was so funny because uh, they, they, he, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for when Jason Voorhees, when he, he moves faster, but he doesn't, what is, 
teleports. 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 He teleported because he was hella far, and then all of a sudden he's at the front door. Yeah. He and, definitely and they teleported. What, they they knew what they were referencing. Yeah. Though whenever they were teleporting, they're like, he's so <laughs> he's already here. <laughs> Uh, Blake is stabbed in the stomach with a machete by Billy. Uh, Gertie is uh, stabbed in the back with a machete when she's under the bookcase. Mm -hmm. uh, and Vicky, to save every, well, it, actually, Gertie probably dies because of this, but to save her, I mean, her, the rest of her friends, uh, Vicky sets off that fire trying to, you know, yeah. slow down Billy and kills herself. Chris. Uh, it says that he was killed, but he's still technically alive at the end of the movie. So I don't know if we should count this or not. Cause he's, he's still there when the, the credits are rolling. So I'm going to leave that one off. He was stabbed by Billy and he looks like he's dead, but he's still alive at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would probably put on here in his place that, um, that, um, Max dies. Cause she technically does for like a second. Yeah. Uh, because, she dies. Then Nancy is stabbed to the back by a machete by Billy. And then Max comes back to life. Yeah. She, okay. She's the final girl. Yes. And then, and then Billy himself is decapitated in an awesome scene, uh, by Maxine. So yes. or by Max, because he fucked with the wrong virgin. <laughs> he did. I love that line. Um, I didn't put any, uh, quotes in this movie. Uh, there's plenty of them. I wished I could have found them, but I didn't really see any. Uh, but I, I love uh, most of the lines that Adam Devine does in the movie are fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, they, they really are like the line when they're watching camp bloodbath and he's talking to, uh, Melon Ackerman and like, you know, he sees her there on the bed and he says something, he says some line to her and it's like the cheesiest line ever, but it's like, they laugh in the audience and I'm laughing too, because it actually is pretty clever, you know, for, you know, uh, whatever's going on in that scene. Cause it, he's like something like I'm open for business or something. I don't know. It's something's really cheesy, but, um, let me see if I can pull up anything here from IMDb. Uh, uh, I do, um, the, I, I love a lot of the writing this movie, especially with the, the, the lines between, um, uh, Max and, and Nancy even because Nancy kind of gets the hint that there's something going on with the reason that Max likes her, but she doesn't really, doesn't know what she's got going on. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I'm not seeing anything really with Kurt that really stands out in this. Uh, one of the things that they showed at the end of the movie. So you saw when, they, when they were rolling the credits, how they had the outtakes did you see that? Yes. Okay. Yes. And he yes. keeps bringing up like, okay, I won't tell if we go to the hotel right now and have yeah, sex. Wait, wait, have sex. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I loved every one of those little lines. Get, and he cracked her up in one of those lines so bad that she was like yeah. dying laughing or whatever. Yeah, and he kept like, he was basically improving it. And I don't know that that was part of the script or if it was just like something he threw in, but like. I, they showed it so much and they had to keep redoing the scene so much that I told my daughter, I wonder if they got sick of his ass because he kept just adding shit to it too. Yeah. He kept just going on and on. Um, uh, there was this one line by, uh, 
Kurt, uh, when he's talking to Chris, it's like, by the way, what's up with you and Max? Are you guys having sex? Because if not, I wouldn't mind bench pressing her with my dumbbell. Yeah. And, then, and Chris is like, listen, bro, you're not benching pressing anyone with your dumbbell. If I so much as hear your dumbbell took a Pilates class, and then Kurt's like, what? Yeah. He's like, I'm going to cut it off. <laughs> the fuck's a Pilates class? That's not a real um, thing. And then uh, I, I I love Tina in this too because she's so stupid. She adds so much to the movie. Uh, the, they've got her like in the the life jacket and they've got her hands taped up. Yes. And she's like, why do I why do I have to wear all this stuff again? And then Chris is like, because you're scripted to do a strip tease at the slumber party. And when you take your top off, Billy comes running. And then Tina says, but why does he hate my boobs? Because they're not big. Yeah. <laughs> She is so heart like heartbroken over the fact that Billy hates her boobs. It's like I'm like God love you. You're so stupid. But and you it's know, funny because throughout purpose. the whole like she keeps she's got these baker's these oven gloves on her glued or not glued but taped on her hands. She keeps trying to take them off, <laughs> and then at some point she takes like what Adderall or something. She finds the Adderall in the pocket of the, the, the jacket that was put on her. And she's like, and, and I love that line. She's like, how many of those did you take? She's like, one, two, ten, all of them. You know, 30, says, 10, 30. 30. <laughs> uh, here's a good line bar, too. It's like, ooh, I love legends. Loch Ness, Bigfoot, Bon Jovi, all of them. All of them, yeah. <laughs> Fucking whore. Um, let's see. <laughs> There's a line by the 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 main girl in this movie. It's like, uh, Gertie, I'm sorry for that time in junior high when I told everyone to start calling you Bachunka Dunk, and then I covered your locker in bacon. That was so crappy, and I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad person. And Gertie's like, you're not. It's okay if it makes you feel better. Last summer, I was the one that spread the rumor that you said uh, that said you had a weird disease where you were always on your period. And Vicky's like, wow, that's evil. And Gertie's like, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Just nice and smooth. That's and then gross. The line between, uh, and then the line where they're talking about that's like, uh, Max is like, Gertie, you're a virgin. And then Gertie's like, Noel, not anymore. Last summer with that guy, Jerry, he had like the weird mustache and he like winked, remember? And Vicky's like, isn't he autistic? And then Gertie's like, yeah, yeah, he is. But he was also very romantic. <laughs> uh, there's I have a, a good one. That- Hold on. I got one. Duncan. <laughs> Ever since I was a little boy, I've dreamed of being the final girl. Yeah, I love that line. He <laughs> says that at the end of the movie when they're in the sequel at that yeah. point, you know. Uh, I would like to say the line that Kurt says whenever he's talking to Chris, asking him if he's a certain way, but I don't think we could say that and not get in trouble. He asked him if he's a pack of British cigarettes. I'll just put it that way. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A pack of British cigarettes. Shut up. Uh, the line between Mimi and Kurt, it's like, Mimi's like, anyone want to help me pick some strawberries? And Kurt's like, nope, but I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. You get me, right? Oh, God. <laughs> he was too much. <laughs> uh, Duncan asking, uh, he, what did you pack, Tina? And then Tina's like, the basics. Bikini, mouthwash, diaphragm. And I love that scene, too, because he's mouthing the words because he knows what she's going to say. Yeah. Because he's watched the movies yes. so often. <laughs> so fucking dumb. He's such a nerd. Uh, let me see. Uh, I have one. So Amanda, to her daughter, honestly, if you ever become an actor, don't ever do a slasher flick. And Max, you wouldn't catch me dead in a movie. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good line, a very good meta line. You know, like yeah. we just talked about in a, we just talked about in the movie uh, Totally Killer about how they talk about uh, don't uh, they hate uh, time travel movies because they they don't make any sense. Well, that's kind of you know what they're getting at with that that comment. Uh, <laughs> let's see, we don't exist yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. There's there's a bunch of lines in this movie that I like. I yeah. Mean, just it's it's very well written. I mean, when it comes to that. Oh, uh, that's the line. The, the line that Kurt says when he's looking at Nancy, and everybody laughs, especially Duncan, because he loves this line. He looks at Nancy and he's like, "Nice legs. What time do they open?" Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, and I love that trailer, the fake trailer that they have at the beginning of the yeah. movie. Because it's like the, the trailer voiceover guy, they won't be singing Kumbaya. They'll be singing Kumbaya No. <laughs> Kumbaya No. <laughs> this movie was too much. <laughs> In a very good way. Yes. Visually, I'm, now here's the thing about the movie visually. They didn't have the biggest budget. So some of the CGI stuff looks a little wonky. It's not terrible, but it looks a little wonky. Like the, uh, in particular, what I'm thinking of is when the guy's like uh, cigarette ash, pot ash, whatever he's smoking, drops to the floor. Like, it looks a little weird, like whenever it's dropping down. Um, There's a couple of scenes like that in the movie. But, and and there's trivia in it about why they did this. But I love that look that they have it when they get into the movie where everything's like super bright, like all the flowers are like these super pink, purple. Oh yeah, you know, like it really makes it look like out of out otherworldly. You know, kind of strange looking whenever they get into the movie. Yeah, I um, visually it's weird because it has the clarity of a modern day film. But it also has the vibes and the look of an 80s slasher. I don't know. They they did a really good job of making it just seem like, okay, they're really here. They're really in this movie. Uh, It's... It does have that. I, I love the scenery and now that we're speaking about visuals because this is one of my favorite things about the movie. When they get into the end part of the movie and that sky above them has like that oh, yeah. purplish yes. pink tinge to it or whatever, it, it it's very cool looking. Yeah, I, the I thunder and everything, they did they did a really good job with that. Um, the, the scene, how the church looks like that old abandoned church that, that, you know, Max technically dies in you yeah. know, before she's resurrected. Uh, there's a lot of neat things in this movie when it comes to the visuals, the kills, they didn't have a lot. They, if you go from a movie like terrifier to this, now the kills are kind of a letdown, but I think they work for what they were going for. Yeah. You know? Um, and then there, you got to remember, this is a horror comedy. They, they were mostly meant to be funny and they were. <laughs> <laughs> Kurtz especially because the way his body was angled whenever he oh you know, yeah like... when he flew out of the car and just the way that it happened they're they're flying so fast this is a final girl or what's supposed to be the final girl so she's supposed to be smart but the thing is is they haven't completed the film so she can't leave yet so instead of leaving she gets killed and it's just so fast and they're like get yeah, oh she's alive she's okay and then the car goes up into flames like um I don't I don't know if I put this in the awards, 
But let's just go ahead and say that Adam Devine has the best scream in any oh, yeah. of any movie that we've watched. <laughs> I don't know if it was in the I can't remember if it's in the movie or in that after credits sequence, but in the you know the the you know the little spoilers that are you know like that he had, but like I, him screaming was like the funniest fucking thing. It's so high pitched, yeah, so insane. Yeah, Ned Flanders <laughs> is how I like to refer to it as. That, yeah, that's basically what it is. The Ned Flanders Award, you know, should go to him for that scream. <laughs> um, I love the story in this movie. Oh yeah, I I, I love it. It's pro. It, it to me, it's the best of the horror. The the of of these horror comedies, it's my favorite. And it's also, I think, I mean, of the slashers, I mean that we've watched, it's probably my favorite. Period. Yeah, in the past two that we reviewed, well, this being one of them, it is there's. Uh, the drive that a daughter has to get her mom back, it it it'll it'll turn you into a final girl. Yes, I, and I'll say this: I mean, it's in the it's it's in the trivia. The guy who wrote this movie, uh, or one of the guys who wrote the movie, had just lost his dad, and you know he that's you know where he was coming from. Whenever he worked this into it, yeah, um, it comes through because if you've lost a parent, and I have, I mean, this movie, I mean, there the scenes where Max is trying to tell Nancy that she's really her mom, but, but not telling her that she is. Yeah. And like, and hitting <clears throat> around, it's like, I really wish that I could save you. They hit hard. They hit very hard. Like, I mean, it. it's this, this movie makes me cry. I'm not going to. Okay. I'm glad really you does. said that. Cause I was getting so emotional at the mom daughter <laughs> scenes in these movies. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Yeah, this this movie brings tears every time I fucking watch it, especially when Nancy is, says what she says to Max when she finally kind of gets the hint that Max is her her alternate version's daughter, and she goes to do the sacrifice for yeah. her, and then you hear Betty Davis eyes start playing. It's like, okay, I'm done. You yeah, know, they got me. They got. And me. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. If you go, if you look up this movie uh that or look up betty davis eyes and put you know on youtube and put the final girls after they will play that scene when it starts up and everybody underneath it in the comments said the same exact thing oh it's my like, god there's there's somebody on there and i felt so bad for this girl she said that her name was max she had just lost her mom at whatever time she posted that and that movie like i mean it destroyed her but in a good way she, yeah it you know it it they it's got the emotion to it it really does <clears throat> Uh, the acting is awesome. Oh yeah. I mean, in particular by Malin Ackerman and, uh, Tysa Farminga. They're, they're the ones that hold the movie together. I don't have anything. It's, uh, uh, Ludwig either. I mean, like he's, uh, Alexander Ludwig, he plays uh pretty good, you know, uh, support to Max throughout the movie. And then the side characters serve their point. Like I middle ditch, like is Duncan. Like he, I mean, I love that guy. Like he's a good stand in for a uh, typical horror nerd, you know, that's like just geeking out over being in this fucking movie that he's idolized his entire fucking life, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh I don't know. The only one who doesn't stand out whatsoever is that, uh, and I can't remember his name because he doesn't stand out. The uh, the the non traditional guy with Blake. He he's just kind of there, yeah. you know. Like yeah. He yeah. Everybody else. I mean, like I love Tina. Kurt's funny. Uh, you know, even the 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 mean girl. And I love that line she's got to him. She's like, "I'm the mean girl in an '80s horror movie. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna die." You know, she she understands mm. the rules in the movies. Yeah. So. Um, 
I can't really, I mean, I, I liked all of them and the, and they kill off the ones that don't really have much of a scene anyways, like the, the hiker dude, Mimi. I mean, like they're, they're killed off so early. You don't really, I mean, they're not even really in the movie anyway. So yeah. the ones you spend time with, they give you a really good characterizations of them. So, uh, and they even hint that, uh, Adam Devine's character is secretly is closeted gay because when he's talking to, uh, to Chris, he's like, because he has that line where he calls him a British pack of cigarettes. Yeah. And he's like, that's not cool, dude. He's like, my dad's, you know, or whatever, gay. And, and he's like, well, I don't even think it's, he's like, I don't even think it's being gay. He's like, it's kind of cool. Two guys just like each other and have sex. And it's like, okay, we get where you're coming yeah. from. Kurt. We know what you're, what you're throwing out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and you could throw that in there as being like a woke moment in the movie, but it's this movie is about as far from me as woke as like, yeah, I mean, it, it was made before the worst of that stuff hit anyways. Yeah. Like it's got modern stuff in it, but it doesn't, it doesn't dwell on it. Like that's what I love about it. It doesn't like focus on that stuff as being, I mean, it's literally about a mother uh, and daughter relationship that got broken and they're, you know, and the, and the daughter's trying to save her mom. And the mom ends up saving her yet again at the end of the movie. So definitely, which is what, which was what I was when I hinted several episodes back, whenever you said mama bear energy, do you think Nancy exhibited mama bear energy in that moment where she went out there to save her? Oh yeah. Pseudo daughter. Yeah. She definitely saved her daughter. Um, and she just kind of understood her role, uh, without actually exchanging the words. So, you know, you kind of got best of both worlds because one of the characteristics of a final girl is mom energy, whether it's their actual children or not. Because usually the final girl, it's not their actual children. Usually it's children that they're just responsible for in some way or another, a sibling Being or a babysitter. Or, yeah. or, yeah, that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, so um, so we get to see that. And in this, we get the energy, uh, these last two movies, you know, being The Final Girls and also uh, Totally Killer, we get to see what happens when a daughter loses their mom and how that will change them, not just as a person, but how saving their mom, getting the opportunity to save their mom will bring something out of them that they didn't know that they had, that nobody knew that they had. Yeah. Just bringing, bringing out something in them that they didn't know even existed. Oh yeah. Inside themselves. 100%. So I think it worked out really good. And it's just funny because I know Melon Ackerman, no matter how old she gets, I mean, she's making looking a little older now. I think she's in her late 40s all i know is she's only 15 years older than tysa so yes and that's actually the trivia it's like they're so close in age that it's kind of funny that Mm -hmm. they that but i think i feel like in that first scene when they're establishing that's that that max and her mom uh are you know together after you know malin ackerman's character amanda i think's her name has like failed her most recent like audition yeah you there's de- the way that she portrays herself, the way that she's got that world worn look in her eyes. Melon Ackerman sells that she's old Come enough on, to be yeah. Tysa's mom. Yeah, definitely. She does. And she could have got away with technically being five years older. So maybe like a young mom at 20, you know, instead of at 15. Yeah. And Tysa yeah. definitely can get away with being, quotation mark, a younger girl than what she played in the film. Well, she's. She was 20 when she was in this film, I believe, so she could easily pass as a 15-year-old in this film, giving yeah, even more like, age distance between her and Melon. 
yeah, she there's something about the look in her eyes that makes her look younger than she really is. Like she's just got it's almost like she's I don't want to say naive, but like she's got like a green like you know like look about her like in the sense that like she's not like she can portray somebody who's not experienced the world or something. But yeah. Like, but she does a good job in this movie too. After mom dies, of having that look in her eyes of just being just like like hopelessly depressed. Oh like yeah. She sells that look. Like, I mean, oh, she you know. sold it in fucking uh, Murder House, too. <laughs> that's, that's true. She, she did. Yeah, she's definitely got that look. Um, Tysa Farmiga is, 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 she is what they would have liked Jennifer Love Hewitt to look like in the first I Know What You Did Last Summer when they didn't do anything to her. She just looked like a drowned rat. I think they were going for the look <laughs> that Tysa has, and they yes, just yes. made her look like a sickly Victorian ghost. <laughs> that's probably the best way to summarize that um yeah i like that description she she would fit that part pretty well yeah i, and, I think they're trying to make her but then she had that huge glow up and it's like ho, ho, ho here we go you know <laughs> uh, show us them boobies that's that's basically Which, what they were saying and speaking and, of yeah. that hold on i have to bring up something because nina debrev who's in this movie she played the mean you know the mean girl she was pretty hot in this film. She was, yes. The pictures you see of her, like her main photo when you Google her, they did her dirty. Let me see what they got here. Yeah, yeah. She's way too skinny in that picture. She's Her face is kind of sunk in. Yeah, her hair uh, is flat and not very flattering. She looks like a mouse. Um, yeah. And in this video, she's kind of done up. She looks a little smoke showish, you know. Yeah, in this movie, it's like what's well, kind of the looking at this picture of her. It looks like the, the the closest thing I can associate it with is what happened to Cameron Diaz. Like if you watched uh, the Mask, man, oh she's yeah, in that movie, she's got the baby fat on her face, you know, that kind of fills it out, and like she's just, I mean, and. And if you see she's her, curvier too. That, she's curvier, yeah, curvier. I mean, and then like later on, it's like Nina DeBrev in this picture. Or she's real skinny. Yeah. Face is kind of sunk in. And I'm like, is that what Hollywood tells them that is pretty? Because she was just gorgeous in the mask. Like there was no reason for her to lose that much weight. I mean, no, I, I don't know. Hollywood, man. I don't know. Uh, but maybe that's what happened to Nina because I mean, it's the same exact situation. She went from having that, like, you know, kind of fuller face, prettier, you know, pretty look to being super skinny. I bet um, you somebody in Hollywood told Cameron Diaz that she looked fat in the mask. Oh, I guarantee you they did. That's what they do. And then they, they, they wanted that stick figure look, but I don't know why they like that. The same thing with Victoria's secret. Like a lot of, some of those models that look like just uh, like walking skeletons. And I'm like, who finds this attractive? Why do you think that this is a good look for women to have? Yeah. Like, I mean, not, not any straight guys. I can tell you that much because I mean, they, women look better whenever they look more feminine, which means, you know, having body fat, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, I want to say something else. And with regards to this movie, the music, I love the fucking music. In this. Movie. Oh yeah. You start out with Dance Hall Days uh, uh, by uh, Wang Chung. I love that fucking song. Anybody who's ever played uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City will fucking love that song because it it's one of the best songs to play while you're just cruising down yeah. Miami Strip back in the 80s. Uh, Betty Davis Eyes 
I I had a whole new appreciation for that song after yes. this movie. Like we talked about that that Fusen uh, scenario where you get like chills down your spine when they started playing that song at the end of the movie. They 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 set it up at the beginning when Malin Ackerman as the mom is dancing to it, but then when Nancy starts going out and that song starts playing, perfect. It, like it fits so well. And then whenever they start playing, they realize they're in the sequel and they start playing Cruel Summer. Yes. Like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, and then what, the song that Tina is dancing to when she's doing the strip tease. Yes. She's my cherry pie. Yes. <laughs> of course, you had to have that song. There, there would have been no other song, especially for this timeline. Uh, but the music choices are so good in this fucking movie. Like I, I like them in Totally Killer, but listen, to the, but I love the songs in this like a lot. Like they really do a good job. Um, <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about uh, in particular uh, about this movie before we move on? We can kind of hit up uh, things again, I guess, in the in the awards before we finish it out. If you want to pick up anything else, um. No, because I don't want to spoil anything or any thoughts on the film. So let's go trivia. All right. All right. This film was conceived and co-written by Joshua John Miller's way of dealing with the deaths of his dad, Jason Miller, who had starred his father, Karis, in The Exorcist. Wow. So the guy who co-wrote this, his dad played Father Karis in The Exorcist. Wow. That's uh, pretty neat. Uh, when Tina becomes hyper-focused on the fly buzzing around the room, it was a spur-of-the-moment ad lib, not a digitally generated insect. That's hella funny. Uh, Angela Trimber improvised her entire dance sequence. She slammed energy drinks to get in character and worked herself up for the frantic dance. That's hella funny because she was flopping around like a fish out of water, which was hilarious. She, she was. And it, and it fits somebody who'd pop 30 Adderall. Yes. So. Oh, absolutely. I think she did an amazing job. By the way, that character would have probably died of a heart attack short anyways uh, after popping those. So Ooh. the fact that her, she, she died the way she did probably was a blessing in the Oh, sky, yeah. I was just saying. Uh, in the original script, the kids began undergoing physical and psychological transformations after they entered the film. The girl's waistline shrunk, <laughs> their breasts ballooned, and Gertie was so enamored with her newfound beauty that she tried to sabotage her friends to ensure they would never leave. Wow. That would be that would be an interesting take on the film. It would be, and it would make sense too. I mean, you think about you go into a movie and all of a sudden you become like a, you know, a Hollywood, you know, version of yourself and kind of makes sense what what did you think that brings something to my mind what did you think about when kurt was making fun of how they were dressed you know like when they come in there it's like what are you poor people like can't you afford good clothing oh my you know, god like, <laughs> uh i didn't really i really didn't think anything of it um because to me it was just a, a time a time thing it was like well this is what worked for this time we don't wear what you wear anymore just like in totally killer where she had to put on gym shorts and they're basically everyone, including the men, they're basically in Daisy Dukes. Yes. And she makes a comment about it. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just to me. Yeah. Of course that would look weird. If someone had shown up, it's different now. Cause we're in the future. So we'd see that and we're just like, Oh, that's just somebody who's bringing back the eighties, you know? But if you're, you know, in the eighties and someone from the future is wearing clothes that we wear today. Yeah. It's going to look weird to them. I'm just thinking, like, I'm trying to think of, like, how we would look to somebody from the 80s. Because, I mean, I know they had out their clothing, but, like, would our clothing be considered retro to them because it's, like, not flashy? Or would it, like, I, I don't understand what, how, I, I just don't know how they would think about it. Like, it's just a weird thought to, to come up with. It would be because like. Because it doesn't. 
oh. it, it, it's not clear. It's clearly not the fifties. Cause that's more like the greasers. And then, you know, also having like, you know, the button up shirt types and all that stuff, which we're not really at, but then we're, I don't know, are we closer to like the people of the like thirties where we just like kind of wear like simple shirts and pants and stuff i don't i don't know okay i'll give you a culture shock somewhat of a culture shock maybe it's not as bad as i would think that it would be but to me it sounds like this what if someone from california we'll talk los angeles california were to come to your neck of the woods dress like we dress in southern california it's not going to be the same of like what do they dress like in Southern California? It could be a variety of things. Usually it's pretty dressed up, though. It looks like they're going out clubbing half of the time. Okay. So you're talking about girls in mini dresses. Um, sometimes they could be dressed in like a cute sandal to go with that. Sometimes it could be tennis shoes. Um, dolled up, glam. I mean, uh, high-end purses, um, the sunglasses, the tans, the makeup, everything. Just... Going out for coffee, looking like they're going to a modeling shoot. Yeah, but like, okay, I can kind of get that. But I mean, it's still, I mean, people seen that look. Like whenever we have prom around here, it's pretty, you know, or some kind of homecoming dance or something. It's pretty noticeable because people dress up like that and it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Um, But like he deliberately was acting like that they were dressed down like they were four hobos or something. And I'm trying to think. Would we look like that to people from the eighties? Because we don't. I think like, so. We don't. We don't care as much about like what clothes, how fancy our clothes are, because we're more worried about can we afford them? Are they cheap? I I'm mean, not even like, thinking it's it's about affordability. I think it's about comfort it, because there's affordable well, clothes yeah. out there that are hella expensive, and you're like, who the fuck would pay a thousand dollars for that t-shirt? That's true. Yeah, we do. We do like comfort quite a bit. And so just the slouchier, the better. So, I mean, because, you, well, you, another good example is like you think about the people of Walmart, <laughs> like that website, and like they're literally going to Walmart in pajamas. Oh, my God. And it's yeah. like, and yeah, if you were if you were in the 80s, you'd be like, what are these fucking hobos doing? Because we we say that now sometimes. I think when we see these people. the more because if you think about it, the more that time has gone on, the more dressed down we are. We are really turning into the people of Wally, where we're just going to be floating around little pods, <laughs> all shaped like a circle with eyelashes. You know, uh, just making our way downtown. But, like, seriously, like, even though the 80s... Okay, so if you were to wear a suit today, you specifically, if you were to get dressed up in a three-piece suit for today versus the 1940s, you could look like you were from the 1940s. The suits for men have not changed drastically. The dresses for women have changed drastically. But even in the 1980s specifically, you could not wear a suit from the 1980s that would match a suit that looked like today's. It was very rare. Even the suits, they were a little more pointier in the shoulders. They kind of oh, made... Oh, they, they, they had the uh, the shoulder pads yes. so that they were poofed up. Mm-hmm. They had... Uh, they still had a little bit of the 70s going on in the sense that the collars were, like, way more pointed and, like, farther out. Yeah. Like, I mean... The, the suits then were very out there. Yeah, I so mean, the, 80s the 80s is going to look completely from any time era. They had their own fucking thing going on, you know. I guess even in the 70s, you had, they had the suits with the bell-bottom pants, you know. Well, that's true. That, and, and that's why they bled into the 70s, because they kind of had both. Yeah. Like, people like to think, that's another thing that's been commented on the internet. People like to think of the 80s as like... Um, 
like this neon like room or, or like well you think of the room that like uh, fred savage is in and the princess bride where he's got just like all this shit in there and, you know it's like and that's a classic 80s room but most people in the 80s uh lived in houses that looked like they did in the 70s which meant that wood panel walls you know like just dark yes. brown paneled walls i mean it was uh stranger things hit that vibe better than anybody i think they kind of had that look going on in stranger things yeah i think that even if you did wear a suit and you were flashback to the 80s they'd be like the fuck is this you know was this guy walk out of 1940s like what is this shit yeah you know yeah so it's it's pretty funny 80s they just overdid everything they were a little extra Uh, when the characters were sucked in the camp bloodbath, it was scripted that they stepped into a technical world. The writers were initially horrified when they showed up on location and discovered that the crew had taken their words literally and decorated the forest with colorful artificial flowers. I think that's fucking um, hilarious. I, I think I, I think it fits because, like I said, it makes it seem abnormal yeah. like, when they get into it. It's it's not just a regular place. Uh, director Todd Strauss Schulson had always envisioned Aaliyah Shawkat as Gertie, but he got the runaround from her management manager. So he found her email address and brazenly contacted her directly. Wow. That's one way to, to get somebody in your movie. It's like, fuck your manager. I'm going to email you directly. I would fire my manager. If somebody was trying to contact me, I don't care if I want to do the film or not. You give me the opportunity to say no. (laughs) Uh, exactly i mean what are they there for i mean they're getting a piece of your you know uh your paycheck anyways i mean if if, but if they're not getting you into or passing on at least opportunities then there's no point in them i'm thinking Uh, i'm wondering if they're thinking no we don't want to get her into you know a horror film we don't want her to get stuck in that trope and it's like bruh job for life i'm just saying yeah you know uh, the term final girl was coined by Carol J. Clover in her 1992 book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film, to refer to the last girl standing at the end of a horror movie, especially a slasher. So we went this entire season, and there you go. That's where that term comes from. Wow. Uh, the Girl Scout camp where, where the bulk of the film was shot didn't have a cabin large enough to accommodate the camera crane required for the elaborate booby trap sequence. <laughs> uh, I love how you describe that, too, why it's literally a booby trap. But um, So the crew had to erect it from scratch. There wasn't money in the budget to tear it down, so the cabin was built structurally sound enough to be utilized by the camp after filming was completed. How many times have we talked about that, how when they come in there and they fix up a place yeah. because they have to and they just like have it yeah we're done with it we don't we don't need this anymore yeah that's crazy Uh, the song the song the camp counselors play after the first murder is michael row your boat ashore the same song the counselors are playing and the pre-credit sequence in friday the 13th the original movie from 1980 they also wear similar yellow shirts oh yeah fall back to friday the 13th uh, the running time of camp bloodbath is uh 92 minutes the same length as the final girls which is pretty neat you know, because when he looks on oh, his, yeah. uh, his, his, and he times the movie, that's exactly how long the movie runs. That's funny. Um, something else is a throwback to Friday the 13th. I, th- I think the original title, it was a long one, but the original title for Camp Crystal Lake was going to be, or it was it, the movie was going to be called Camp Blood. Oh, so yeah. So this movie just made it Camp Bloodbath, you know? So neat little throwback to a movie that could have been. Yes. Uh, this script was originally optioned by New Line, but the studio wanted to eliminate all the deep character moments and the mother-daughter plot. Ew. Eventually, 
it wound up being a, produced by Sony, a studio which liked the emotional core, but decided to tone down the slasher movie aspect to attain a PG-13 rating. Boo. I say boo on both those. So that explains why I said that the kills don't match, like, you know, don't have Terrifier level. They yeah. wanted that in there, but Sony made them cut it. That explains it. Fucking lame. Uh, but this movie would have been nothing without the mother-daughter plot. So yes. New Line was fucking stupid yeah. for saying that. Uh, originally, the trailer for Camp Bloodbath was not intended to be seen until the kids were in the diner. Uh, test audiences had trouble distinguishing the movie's tone from the early scenes, so it was moved to the very beginning to kind of set up what where they were going to eventually go. Oh, okay. I mean, I like where it was at. Yeah, I, I liked how, where they, how they settled on it. Uh, during rehearsal, Thomas Middleditch tripped over the velvet rope in the movie theater. Director Todd Strauss-Schulson decided to add that as a gag in the film in order to momentarily linger on the cardboard standee for Camp Bloodbath 2, Cruel Summer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too, in the uh, in the, s- the spoofs at the end of it where he, he you see him actually trip over it for real. Yeah. Well, kind of, but then he exaggerates. He's, he keeps going, oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like he, he makes it so much worse and they're all laughing at him. Uh, the revelation that Gertie slept with an autistic guy was scripted in the in a very mean-spirited way and Aaliyah Shawkat had a real problem with it, so she decided to come up with her own dialogue. The writers and director have all praised her instinct in regards to the scene. I think it worked out good. I think that it worked out. I mean, they, they got the humor from it, but she wasn't like mean about it. She's like, he was a nice enough guy, you know. I mean, how do you, you know how many of us in America alone are sleeping with autistic people? Okay, like there's so many fucking variables of the spectrum. You could go there anywhere is, yeah. with that. Just because you said someone's autistic doesn't mean that they're like like she took advantage of you know somebody who is mentally like unable well, to make choices. When she describes him with a thin mustache and him being autistic, I think of Doofy from Scary Oh, yeah. That... <laughs> oh, my God. I got to get away from this microphone. I keep thinking of that comment we got on YouTube. I don't know if you saw it, but they're like, somebody's loud. <laughs> it's me. Oh, was it me? It's oh, me. Okay. No, because uh, obviously we've worked on our audio since we've started, and I've upped your level so that. Because we're not they in match, the same yeah. state. Yeah. So I have to up your audio. Not because you're not loud enough. It's because I'm loud and I have a different microphone. But I'm just, <laughs> I started laughing into the mic and I was like, I better back up off this mic because people are like, okay, <laughs> she's getting loud. <laughs> I am. <laughs> uh, many of the scenes were shot in order. However, the real world scenes, which opened the film, were shot at the very end of production after the cast had ample time to bond Aww. to help ensure that the audience would believe the relationships. That's smart, actually. That is that is smart, because uh, I never can figure out in movies how they do that. Like you know, they just turn it on and they're like, "I've been your best friend for years. Now go." You know, it's like the the movies that do best with that we've already discussed. Like they did with uh, My Bloody Valentine, the original movie. They had the cast get together for like a week or two before they ever filmed the movie and just hang out. Like that's how you get them to kind of pass off a realistic, you know, like I know this person type relationship. If you're not doing it the way they did in this movie, so. Um, see, uh, the, uh, car accident at the beginning of the film was entirely computer generated, but the car crash and explosion at the camp were done practically. I like, I can understand the, um, the car accident that, that was actually the, at the beginning of the film, I can understand that being CGI. That was pretty impressive actually. 
it was done pretty well. I cannot believe they had an actual firebird crash into a pole. Yeah, it's kind of insane. That's I mean, it, wild, it, yeah. especially an '80s firebird. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the scene at the beginning is funny too because like in in a weird sense because when that car starts up and they start playing dance all days, the way that it pans through where it's directly behind the car and the way that the camera moves, it almost reminds me of Grand Theft Auto, like the camera panning yeah. behind the car as you're driving. You know, it's got that vibe to it. Uh, let's see, the cast was encouraged to go off script, and many of Thomas Middleditch and Adam Devine's uh, improvis- improvisations were uh, retained in the final cut. Okay, uh, that makes sense because that's what I saw in the in the outtakes and I'm like, okay, they're literally just adding their own shit and I'm like, this cast and crew has to be getting fucking tired of the shit. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious, like, you know. Yeah, and they, and they probably just like, okay, this is the best one that fits the movie but is also hilarious. We'll yeah. Over this one. Uh, in the original version of the script, Billy Murphy was named Hatchet Face. I think it's a good thing they kept Billy Murphy. Yeah. The writers uh, modeled Nancy after Amy Steele's character, Jenny, from Friday the 13th Part 2 from 1981. If you're going to model her after a, a final girl, Amy's a pretty good one because Amy Steele's character, Jenny, because she was one of the top final girls in Friday the 13th series, at least. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Billy Murphy's original origin story, uh, a prank pulled by kids at a summer camp becoming an urban legend, uh, his pose on the poster for Camp Bloodbath 2, Cruel Summer, as well as hit being set, uh, him being set on fire, are all references to the burning, which I have panned on, on this podcast, uh, and the character of Cropsy. So huh. there you go. There's a link to that movie. Both Aaliyah Shawkat and Malin Ackerman have broken their left hands prior to production. Although Alan, uh, Ackerman's injury isn't very apparent, there are numerous scenes where it's clear that Shawkat was having difficulty moving her fingers because of the uh, having a broke hand. Oh, wow. Uh, in the early draft of the script, Max was suicidal following the death of her mother and an attempt to hang herself was interrupted on the phone call by, by a phone call from Gertie. So wow. That would have been dark as fuck. It would have been. Uh, the screenwriters originally intended to use the Madonna song like a prayer instead of the Kim Carnes tune, Betty Davis eyes. So they wrote an impassioned letter to Madonna who replied that she let them use any song in her catalog, except like a prayer, which she doesn't license. However, being the bitch that she is, uh, Madonna did, uh, have put like a prayer, uh, featured as a flashback scene and never been kissed in 1999, even though she claimed that she doesn't license it out. So there you go. Hmm. Um, I I think Betty Davis size is probably a better. Song, yeah, I would honest. not have liked like a prayer. It's not. I don't know. It wouldn't have worked like uh, a Betty Davis eyes. There, there's something to that tune of Betty Davis size that's got more. It's it's more melancholy. Yeah, fits the scene better. Uh, Billy Murphy's mask was altered during the course of filming due to its prominent eyebrows. The original incarnation was dubbed the Eugene Levy mask <laughs> by the cast and crew. <laughs> This version is only visible when Billy shows up at the window behind Gertie. Oh, my God. Uh, Nancy and Tina, two of the lead girls in Camp Bloodbath, were named after Nancy Thompson, played by Heather Langenkamp, and Christina Tina Gray, uh, both who played by Amanda Weiss from A Nightmare on Elm Street. So a lot of references to other slashers, which is kind of cool. And Todd Strauss-Schulson intended to shoot a scene where star Alexander Ludwig was uh, shirtless, but he worried that Ludwig's physique was too chiseled for the character <laughs> he was portraying. Ludwig agreed to stop exercising and monitoring his carbohydrate intake, 
which was all for naught because they cut the scene anyway. Oh, so the guy funny. actually stopped being as cut as he was, and they still didn't use it. So I would have been whatever. pissed. You know how hard it is to be cut? You know how much dedication it takes? <laughs> Yeah, and the guy had to be jacked constantly when he during this time because he was, I mean, on Vikings, he had to play that type of, type of character. Yeah. So, uh, all shots of the skies were digitally replaced. I which love it. Is what we talked about. They're they're really cool looking in the movie. I thought that it was uh, like a, uh, I thought it was some kind of stage that, you know, it was a studio stage of sorts that they had that sky in there. So that's kind of cool because I'm like, well, it would make sense that it was a studio because it's a movie, you know? Yeah, well, and it it being fake looking fits because it's supposed to look fake because yes. it's they're in a you know a movie basically. Uh, scenes in the montage sequence were not explicitly scripted. Cast and crew members just picked up shots wherever they had an idea or free moment. So basically, as they were doing the movie, they were like, "Hey, what about this for the montage?" And they're like, "Do it," you know. Oh yeah. So and they patched it together afterward. Uh, the crew was not allowed to set fire to the movie theaters, so they shot additional footage of flames and burning curtains and digitally composed them into the scene. Okay. Uh, Adam Devine, who plays Kurt, and Chloe Bridges, who played Paula, first met initially after being seated next to each other on the plane to set. Uh, unaware that Bridges was in the film, Devine was confused when she started having a long conversation with him. They actually fell in love on the set and got married in 2021. Wow. <laughs> so he married the final girl that... Ended up killing him in the movie. Oh, that's how funny. Uh, Todd Strauss Schulson spent several days hopped up on Adderall while working on the script. This is why the drug found its way into the story. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, the director and writer uh, M.A. Fortin became friends while attending Emerson College. After settling in Los Angeles, Fortin began dating former child actor uh, Josh Miller. Uh, and Schultzen regularly hung out with the, cu- the with the couple. Fortin and Miller first pitched Schultzen their concept of the final girls in 2007. He was very receptive, but once the script was written, Schultzen was too d- so deeply moved by the parent-child aspect of the story that he became adamant about directing it. It took several years of rewrites and a variety of battles with the studios, but they finally got the movie made. Yeah. So, uh, when the crew first walked in the cabin that they'd been shooting in, they discovered a tarp, which was strung over the window, had bathed the room in an ethereal blue glow. They decided to utilize it to tent a heartfelt scene between Max and Nancy. So oh, that's remember that funny. scene where they're together and that blues like kind of cast in. Yeah. That was totally an accident. They, they're like, that looks cool as shit. Let's use it in the movie. That's wild. <laughs> Uh, the writers modeled Tina after PJ's soul character, Linda Vanderklok from Halloween 1978, and Jody Dreji's character, Morgan, from The House on Sorority Row from 1982. So more movie references. You can tell that this movie is made by people who love slashers. Oh, yeah. It, it, it understands what a slasher is. It just really does. Uh, in an earlier draft of the script, the kids were self-aware that they were stuck in a montage while it was happening. That would have been kind of funny. What did you think about those scenes where they went back into the the flashback? I thought that was hilarious. Oh, where they were like, yeah, where they had to basically tell the story and then to end the flashback, they had to say, and that is when they knew, blah, blah, blah. I forgot what the line was, but they had specific things to not only start the, um, wait, uh, not it was a montage. Um, the flashback. The flashback, sorry. To start the flashback, and then there were specific words to end the flashback. I loved it. Well, I just... I, I loved it though when they first got drug into it and they didn't know what was happening and then they then then Gertie thought she was colorblind because it was black and white yeah and then the 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 words like you know 
1980 or what 1958 or whatever the year was and they had to step over the words because they were superimposed into the yeah the actual world that they were in i love that all that stuff that they did and then the second time the car hits billy and he knocks the words down yes he knocks them out of the way yeah yeah i i thought that was hilarious <laughs> Uh, let's see. The film was inspired by the Friday the 13th franchise and its various imitators. Alec, uh, Alexander Ludwig's mother, Charlene Martin, actually appeared in Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason takes Manhattan as Tamara Mason. I'm like, so Chris, the blonde haired kid uh-huh. that's jacked in this movie, his mother played that hot bitchy girl in Friday the 13th Part 8. Oh, the one that, okay. You know, <laughs> that's what I was trying to like. I was trying to brain that. I couldn't. Yeah, so you know, you remember the one that yes. was like standing in the corner, and like Kane Hodder was like standing over the broken. He was he you mentioned it. He picked out like the perfect yes. shard of like mirror to stab her with. That that's that was his, his mom. mom. That's fucking wild. <laughs> uh, in the original script, Nancy's character was more like Tina, and Max had great difficulty trying to convince her not to seduce every man she laid eyes upon. <laughs> I think they did a good job making Nancy an in between character. Yeah, like, Tina needed to be somebody else. Yes. Uh, it was Todd Strauss Shawson's idea to utilize Betty Davis eyes as Amanda Nancy's theme. Originally, the screenwriters hated the notion of using the song, but they eventually warmed up to it. Uh, they were going to use Belinda Carlisle's 1987 song, Heaven is a Place oh, on Earth. No. But they ultimately went with Betty Davis eyes, uh, although they used an early demo, the uh, version of the song and not the one which became a worldwide hit. So the oh. one that's actually used in the movie of Betty Davis eyes is not the one that you actually hear all the time you know if you like look it up so oh, it's a i didn't bit know that person. um heaven as a place on earth is a little too upbeat for what was happening it was and again they i think they accidentally walked into the right song because yeah. they they had to do something and when they got that song it it's just sad enough for the the tone of it and 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 it's also if you listen to the words of the song it's like she the the, the woman's like really proud of herself and she's like She's, you know, she's talking about her, like the beauty of like the, she's got eyes like Betty Davis men and they're like gorgeous. It kind of fits Nancy because like, she's a beautiful woman, but like there's a sadness to her cause she knows she's going to die. So yeah. it, it really fits. It's a good song, you know? Uh, the lengthy sequence in which the kids first encountered Billy Murphy in the forest was shot over the course of one day. With 55 setups, tension was high, and the crew continued to work. After sunset, strategically lighting shots to make it appear as though it was still daytime Ooh, because Jesus. it took so long to get. Yeah. All of the scenes at the movie theater were shot in a single day. Uh, the music that plays over the final credits was composed as a score for the slow motion sequence, but the producers hated it, so they just moved it to another part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, the flyer for the uh, for Camp Bloodbath double feature cites the address as a vacant storefront in Los Angeles, California. The Varsity Theater is actually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Wow. According to her resume, Amanda Cartwright, Malin Ackerman played, also played a bipolar mistress in several episodes of CSI Crime Scene Investigation from 2000. She played Carol King. This is her fake resume, yeah. movie, by the way. Played Carol King in Sleigh Bells. <laughs> played Jessica Albert in Chopping Mall. Played Barbara Macy in Stepmom 2, Revenge of Diane. Played Monica Stan in Coed Massacre. Played Amanda Hart in film adaptation of Heart to Heart. Played Jenny Kravitz in five episodes of uh, Sconyers, something Sconyers. Rose Bush in one episode of The West Falls. Layla in three episodes of uh, Career Diaries or Carrier Carrier Diaries. Diaries. Yeah. Uh, Various other characters in Smoking on the River, Fire, Meatballs in Heaven, and Summer in Paradise. Meatballs in Heaven. 
if they were to take this concept where Max could enter another movie that her mom was in and they could go into sleigh bells, oh, that'd yeah. be fucking awesome. Because <laughs> there is a movie called Chopping Mall, so they can't technically go into that movie. Isn't there such thing could, as sleigh bells, too? There is, but they could get away with that by having it something completely different. And maybe they could do the same thing with Chopping Mall, because Chopping Mall sounds like it would be like a, a mall where you're getting like cut up, but it's like these robots that are in this mall that actually shoot people with like laser beams more often than not. Oh. So I don't even know why it's called chopping mall. To be honest, but, uh, Paul Feig read the script and expressed an interest in directing the film, but obviously he didn't do that. Uh, at one point, Ludwig's character uh, mentions playing high school football and shooting arrows, similar to former roles that he had in both the hunger games and when the game stands tall. So they're oh, kind of cool. fun of the actor in that scene. Uh, Vicky Summers, Nina Dobrev, is carving a piece of wood into a stake to harm Billy. And it's funny because it's a callback to the fact that she played Elena Gilbert, who did the same thing in Vampire Diaries. That's kind of cool. And finally, Tysa Farmingo, who plays Max and Malin Ackerman, as you said, are only 16 years apart, according to this, uh, from each other in real life as far as their age difference goes. Yeah, but you could technically add a few more years onto Melon. I mean, not really because she looks so young, but you can also take away five years to give a wider distance between them if you absolutely had to. You could well, literally just take years away from Tysa because she looks like she's 15 in this film. And Well, the thing... That the thing that helps the most is like, like I said, they, they did up Malin in the, being in the movie to kind of make her seem like she was more yeah. world weary and aged up, but having her so close to max fits when they go back in the past, because them being, they, they look similar in age at that point. And yeah. And they, and they, and they're supposed to, I mean, because she would have been around max's age when she made that movie. So yeah. Uh, all right, Death Holler Awards. This is where we can talk about whatever we're going to talk about for the movie before we finish it out. Final Girl, Max, is, to me, the the epitome of what a Final Girl is. I mean, she she does what a Final... I mean, like, it, she tries to save, you know, everybody else. Uh, she even ends up dying, and then she, to complete their trope, she does that kick-ass kung fu shit like the Matrix where she's sliding around and, like, chops his fucking head off. I love everything about oh, that, yeah. that scene when she finally takes him out. So. Yeah, she has what it takes. She wants to live. She doesn't just want to live. She wants others to live. In fact, I think she was willing to give up her life for her for her mom to be able to live at one and point. not even her mom, but, like, a character her mom played. Yeah. That's... Because that's what Chris keeps bringing up. It's like that's not your mom. Yeah, that is a that that's Nancy, the character she played. You know exactly. Um, so I feel like she asked the right questions. She didn't. She took it serious. She, yeah, I I, I think she she is. I mean, she's in a film called The Final Girls, and she was the virgin. Yeah, up to that standard because uh, it was her and Nancy were the two virgins left in the film and. Yep. He fucked with the wrong virgin. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, what do we think about Billy? He's obviously a ripoff of Jason. Oh, I mean, there's no totally. way, ways about it. At six foot three, and he's like uh, grade A fucking American meat, you know? He's, yeah. <laughs> he's got the machete that he kills people mm-hmm. with. I mean, it's, 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 he goes to a camp. I mean, it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah. He's not um, been in a ton of films. So I'm kind of, well, he's been in a few, but I'm just surprised. Like, he's got a very small roster of films. Yeah. It's, uh, a lot of stunts work. Though, yeah. So, I mean, there's that. Um, 
best kill for me uh, for pure spectacle is mm-hmm. Kurt, uh, just because of how he dies when he slams out of that car. Uh, heartfelt though is Nancy. I oh mean, yeah, you, you you don't get a more impactful death than any any slasher we've covered than Nancy's death because it's a self sacrifice to save her daughter. That's not really her daughter, but there's enough connection there that that she feels it too. Like you can tell she feels. Oh it, yeah. Um, to me, it was definitely, I mean, heartfelt, you can't take away Nancy's death, but the best kill was the trifecta that included Kurt. It was, you know, the, the (laughs) faux final girl, uh, Duncan, Duncan for sure. It just kept happening. First Duncan dies, then fucking Kurt goes flying to the car. Then the car explodes. It was awesome. It just didn't stop. So I was dying. Uh, best scream. Yeah. I put in her max, but no, it is Kurt. It's Kurt. It, I, it's Kurt. That 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 high pitched squeal that Adam Devine does is so fucking funny <laughs> that I, I, it it almost beats that little kid Reggie from uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. If you remember that little kid, you know. Oh yeah. That little. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so for this season, and I don't know if we'll come back and do like. I mean, we talked about it, but I don't know. I know you're kind of burnt on all this stuff, so I don't know if we'll sit and figure it out. But if we were to rank like the best screams, we've already said that it would be, uh, it, it would be, um, what's her name? Uh, Jenna Ortega yes. from uh, X. Uh, what's the one from Ready or Not? What's her name? What's the actress? I'm oh. blanking on her name right now. Oh, God. Um, hold on. I'll pull it up. There it goes. Uh, why? Here it goes. Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving, because she's got that weird, like, undulating scream that she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reggie, because it's such a high-pitched scream from a little black boy. I yeah. mean, Friday 13th. And, th- and then Kurt, because I don't know how Adam, Adam... He sounds so fucking ridiculous when he screams like that, but it's hilarious. There was another guy that I brought up. Oh, part two. Nightmare on Elm Street part two. Jesse, when he screams, because that is an ear-piercing scream it is, from a dude. But that's not the person. I mean, he's definitely up there. I'm trying to see if I can remember by looking. I, I don't know if it was Friday the 13th or if it was. Um, fuck, I cannot remember what movie we were watching. And I was like, oh, well, that guy, by the way. Uh <laughs> I, I don't I've got nothing. I can't remember it. I'd have to go back and listen to our episodes. Yeah. It might come to you later, but I, I feel like that if it, if we're going to, I mean, even if we don't come back to it for the award for best scream, it has to go to those people throughout the season because they were best for various reasons. Yeah. Um, I don't know what would be my the best kill. I, I almost want to say if you're just giving it like pure, I mean, again, uh, heartfelt Nancy. I mean, I know that's recent, but it, it is. But if you're talking about just outright, just brutal, I mean, you have to give it to Art, right? When he kills Allie. I mean, mm-hmm. like that, that scene goes on for so fucking oh, long. I mean, there's nothing that trumps that. I mean, there really isn't. He didn't burn her, though. <laughs> I'm still upset about that. Who, all right. We'll just kind of do it now, and that way we'll kind of do it. To, I mean, I, I know we mentioned we might do an episode, but I, I think we probably need to move on from slashers. What would who who's your favorite slasher officially? Uh, I mean, of all the ones that we've covered. Um, it's not an easy pick. I mean, it has to be. I guess it has to be Jason because every slash 
film, like even with Michael Myers, I picked the movie that most that was resembled most like Jason. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so that it has to be that for me. And it's so funny because I don't want it to be that because that's the slasher my son just admires the most. And so I feel like it's kind of, you know, cliche that I would like Jason Voorhees, you know. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. I, f- I got to say the same thing. And I, and, and I don't want to say that because I feel it's like a basic bitch mm-hmm. answer. To the, but, I mean, you think about the most enjoyable the, – franchise that we i mean consistently i mean we had the most fun with the friday the 13th films yeah with in particular with jason in them so exactly i mean i i love chucky don't get me wrong oh but yeah they're you know but like just jason's a better slasher overall chucky's I mean, just the redheaded stepchild of this you know <laughs> and I, I, I love Freddy, uh, but he's only got a few movies where they really stand out, and some of those are clunkers after yeah, that. Yeah, some so of them horrible. Some of them took I mean, some Robert really England, weird directions. Robert England, Robert England is a great actor, and uh, oh, take yeah. away from Freddy because he did a great job, but the movies he was in were not that great around him. You know, yeah. that kind of hurt everything. Definitely. And, I, and, and, and Michael Myers himself, like, I don't, I don't. Michael's fine. I don't know why people are so obsessed with him. I really don't know. I mean, he's he, kind of, I know Jason is technically the same shit every day, same shit, different day, but like, not really. He finds different ways to make shit happen. At least he throws an electrocution in there. Michael Myers literally is the same thing, only after the same person. And there's a few innocent victims that get taken in the midst of what he's trying to accomplish. Um, Exactly. Uh, Ghostface, the same exact shit. I mean, stab after stab after stab. I mean, literally, the alternate version of Scream is called Stab. I mean, and yeah. and how many times does Ghostface have to trip over his own fucking tape before <laughs> you got, you know? I am convinced that those are real trips and that it it's not, it wasn't meant to be in the film, but... They just kept it because it makes the most sense. I mean, you can't see shit in that costume, you know? You can't. And the um, way he's swinging and swiping his knife, you can tell he can't see that well. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of who, who else did we cover that's a big slasher. You know, I mean, we covered Art, but he's relatively new and he's yeah. different. He, I, I can't, I don't have the nostalgia for Art, so he's not up there. I mean, um, I can't really think of anybody else yeah. that, that, that's like a big slasher besides we the did we just the, I know what you did last summer, but that's not... There, that guy was yeah. kind of lame. The hook, the hook killer. Yeah, uh, he's uh, Candyman. He's, he's technically a slasher, but there's really only a few movies. The with one, him, right? and that one film's the only good film too. The the yeah. very first Candyman movie. Um. Yeah. Huh. Leprechaun, but I mean, <laughs> I completely forgot about old Lep. He's uh. He's in a category all by himself, so I can say. I mean, he's not at the top by any means. Yeah, and then um, of course, uh, Leatherface. Yeah, and see, the problem with Leatherface is he's a to me he's a package deal. You don't get Leatherface by himself, even though people like to throw him out there by himself. Yeah, if you Leatherface is actually the decent one, his family because he, you know. He only does that stuff because he's not got the brains to to go against his family, really, in a lot of cases. Yeah. It's his it's his brothers who are the problems in those movies. So um I yeah, I, I think it has to be Jason. Yeah. It's Jason for me. 
At least he tries to get creative, you know? He really does. He I tries. I don't know who I'd pick for for my final girl, to be perfectly honest with you, because there are a lot of good choices. We've mentioned it before. I love Heather Langenkamp, and I and I realize that Nancy's only technically in two of the films as a character, uh, but I love I love her. You know, at, like the kind of character she plays. Jenny was the best to me. I think in Friday the Thirteenth, uh, just because she kind of established what a final girl was supposed to do as far as standing up to the killer. Uh, I know everybody's got, you know, uh, likes uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, and she's fine, but we discussed it. When you go back and actually look at Laurie Strode, it's like there's more of a legend about her that's been built up by the fans than there is actually yes, on the screen. I have very <laughs> much come to realize about that by watching every single Michael Myers film. And, and the thing of it is, is that the reason why she is listed as the final girl is because she's been the final girl so many times. So, of course, she it's like, oh, she's the best final girl. No, she's just the final girl that has happened to make it through X amount of movies because they chose to keep her alive. Kind of. Exactly. Kind of. And then kill her in other timelines and all kinds of other weird shit. Uh, and, I I mean, as far as... I, I, I go back to the final girl, I mean, just for a different take that was in the, the behind the mask to rise of Leslie Vernon. I love that final girl because she actually co uh, conspired with her slasher through most of the film and actually felt sorry for him up until he made his ultimate turn against her and made her into the final girl. That's like the, probably the best twist in any of these movies to me with the final girl, because she was, she was actively helping. Well, not helping, but she was like, not, you know, she wasn't fighting against the slasher. She was filming the slasher and then she had a crisis of conscience about it. And then he, and, and he knew that she would, and he used that to, to make her the final girl, which was a neat twist. I would say that I do have a final girl because if you think of this final girl, she fought off more than most final girls would have to fight off and had to see a lot more than the average final girl. Because you got to remember, we only get final girls in one film usually. They don't normally come back unless you're Laurie Strode, which is why she's the final girl. Um, but Except for Cindy. Cindy. Or Sydney. It's, it's Cindy. Sydney. Cindy Campbell. It's her. Yeah. She's had to fight ghosts. She's had to fight actual people. <laughs> she's uh, uh, also ghost face. Cats. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about Cindy from Scary Movie, Cindy not Sydney Campbell, from not Cindy, Pre- not Sydney Prescott, Cindy Campbell. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. It's kind of <laughs> funny. Uh, I know. I know. Cody would argue for Sydney. Sydney Prescott. Yes. Because I mean, you know, Sydney and, Prescott. And I get that. She's a fucking I get that warrior. Argument. She survived so much. She's the quintessential survivor. And she's a real survivor, uh, if you think about it. I'm with Cody on that one because she even has fucking PTSD. Like, she ain't fucking around. Yeah. I, I still, though, I, I like non-traditional uh, final girls in that sense. And, and I love the, and I love, I love like Max in this one or the, the, and I can't remember her name, but the final girl from the behind the mask because of the turn that she did in that movie. Um uh, you know, they they both fit the role because they both turned against their you know slasher, but like, and they're both like in it for different reasons. What, yeah. You know, one's a you know crisis of conscious, the other one because she's trying to save her mom. So I, I like that a little bit better than some of the other ones, even though they're not 
the traditional picks. Uh, if I was going to pick from a traditional movie, I still like Heather Langenkamp quite a bit, like as Nancy. There's nothing uh, wrong just, with that because Heather also goes through the whole PTSD, you know? She does, yeah. And that that's kind of why I liked her character quite a bit, even though they killed her in the second. And, and that's on the movie. That's not on her. Like, I, I they should have brought her, like, ha- if the original plan was to have her be like a ghostly, like, protector for the children, that would have been fine too, but they didn't, they didn't fall through with it. So, you know, whatever that's on them. Cause they had a good, good person, you know, to kind of go along with. So, uh, I'm trying to think uh, we've covered best boobs. I'm going to give it to Linnea Quigley cause yeah. she showed them so often. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there is no best boobs in this movie, even though Tina, <clears throat> she shows them, but it cuts up to where you can't see them. Yeah. You know, cause when, I mean, we didn't get full boobage. We actually got bra boobies more than anything. Because yeah. even Melon shows her melons, but they're not really melons. She's she's kind of, I didn't realize she was flat chested. Yeah. They yeah, kind of bumped her up like in that. Rock of Ages. They definitely, they stuffed her up real good <laughs> in Rock of Ages, which is, I'm, I apologize to Donnie G that sees, you know, friends of mine with their knockers up to their neck. And it's like, buddy, yeah, that's called the double bra trick. Look it up. It's a thing. It makes us look like movie stars. I just always think that I'm pretty sure the movie's called Low Down Dirty Shame with uh, uh it's uh, it's not Damon Wayans, it's his brother. Is it Ivan Wayans, something like oh, that? Oh, Keenan Ivory. Um, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans, yeah. Like he has that scene where he he goes back to an apartment with a hooker and she takes off everything. Oh she yeah. She pulls off her hair, she pulls off a leg, she throws her teeth out, and he's like, God damn, is there any part of you that's 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 actually real? And that's that's what it's like, you know, with these women nowadays. It's like you I mean, they, they can trick you with so many little things to you know, and make you think they're a yeah. smoke show and then you get, you know, the day after like, What was I what is this? Um but there's no boobs in this movie, so we can't rate that. Best yeah. side character it, she's kind of a main character, but still Nancy. I mean, she, yeah, I, I don't, if you want to argue Kurt. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised it's not Kurt. But he gets the Franklin Award for, he, he's a little too much at times. Sometimes, like you yeah. Said. Uh, but I, I, I love, I love the interaction between Nancy and Max in this movie. Yeah. Um, who, who would be your ultimate side character in any of the movies that we've covered? That's a, tough question because it's hard to remember all the side characters in the movies there's I know no get, way i know who gets the franklin award the yeah. person that it's named after yeah franklin. he's the ultimate yeah <laughs> the best side character i couldn't i couldn't give you a best side character there's no way i don't know that i not could. even one I of mean, them I'm pops try- up to me like like oh yeah that one no it, it just no yeah, I can't. I'm. It's probably because we've got to the end of this season, but I can't really think of anybody who stands out in that that role. Uh, if you, I mean, if you tell me best good boy, I I could I could come up with that. No, I got a best side character. <laughs> who? I got one. Who? Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, Crispin Glover's character. Oh yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. That that dude is the best. Like he's so fucked up yeah uh talking about he's a dead fuck and everything else the dance that he does where's the fucking corkscrew ted and then he gets the it's 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 crispin glover it has to be (laughs) 
uh, Franklin Award in this movie. I'm giving it to Kurt. Is there anybody else you want to give it to? I could say I could understand if uh, Vicky got it because she's kind of the mean girl, but she's she's a mean girl. But she but when they have that heart to heart, why she's mean to you know to them, it, it kind of makes sense because she was uh, Max's best friend and Max ditched her after her mom died. So well, she's a mean girl, but she's not a dumb mean girl. So I think that's part of being Franklin. Yeah, yeah, and. Kurt, Kurt's dumb, and he's and he's very insensitive to people. <laughs> uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? Uh, the teens are the Doom Prophet. Every single one of them, particularly Max. Yeah. So, I mean, but I don't, but I don't feel like they're annoying because they're. I mean, Max in particular is with a good and very good intention. I mean, you could probably argue that Crazy Ralph, who's are we are we pretty sure that Crazy Ralph gets the Doom Prophet award because he he is the new the crazy doom prophet i mean is there it's between him and loomis so which of the two do you think should get the doom prophet award loomis loomis has been stressed i don't know how he didn't die from stress (laughs) in those films (laughs) all right i'll I'll, I'll grant you that because he's been a doom prophet for so long he doesn't know how to be anything else yeah yeah it's like jamie lee curtis as the final girl it's like loomis is the doom prophet he's here michael's back Six times. I shot him six times. <laughs> uh, and a shout out to Cody because he says I sound like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold, you do. I do that you do. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> six times. Like, whoa, where did the accent come from? I'm just kidding. Uh, but. I, they're they're not annoying in this movie. I mean, they're you know they're just they're they're trying to save the people there, even though the people are so dumb that they can't be saved. I think they did a pretty good job of getting them to come too, except for when they return from the from the flashback scene and what's her name's co- Gertie's covered in blood and they like ah and run out. That's pretty funny too. I mean, what would you do though if she came back and all of a sudden she was just covered in blood? I think know? it's hilarious it's, that uh... she didn't know she was covered in blood, and <laughs> I don't know, it just worked out. Uh, dumbest moment, uh, Tina freaking out and running into the bear trap. That's but it's hilarious. So I yeah, mean, it's... that was um, that was funny. And also, I think the dumbest moments though were how many times are you going to run around in circles trying to escape when you know you can't leave and come back to the same thing over and over? You yeah, came the, back, the... yay! Yeah, I, I love that for Tina. It's like you came back, yay! <laughs> Every time they're just going in circles, which I thought was hilarious. And then, of course, I mean, like the the guys, not the guys, the, the group leaving in the car. I should say the two people leaving in the car when before they hit. What's his name? They didn't know that they couldn't leave. So, you know, uh, there is so many dumb moments in slasher movies that we can't possibly give this award to anybody. But I'm, I'm going to give an honorary award of this to Tommy Jarvis in my favorite Friday film, part six, Jason lives when he fucking brings Jason back. Oh, yeah. You know, that was an a- that I'm, was a pure accident, though. But it's but it was. But all he had to do is set fire to the body and he and he gets so pissed that he has to like shove the, you know, the spike in the cemetery spike or whatever the gate spike into the body. And he brings Jason back, dooming everybody from then on to this. This is okay, but that's like you blaming Rufus when he peed on uh, Freddie's, you know, gravesite or wherever his body was buried in a dream. When he came back, it was a dream. Rufus didn't really do it. Are we sure about that? I am a one. Okay, he can neither confirm nor deny the allegations being placed against him, and my client is innocent. (laughs) 
But can we at least say that Tommy Jarvis was dumb in that moment? I love Tommy. I love uh, Tom Matthews playing Tommy Jarvis. He's my favorite Tommy Jarvis. I know he is. He, but he is so dumb in that moment. I absolutely disagree with you. He did not know. He was trying to impale the body. He was trying to make sure it was extra dead. I would have done the same thing not knowing. Maybe, I mean, because like, well, maybe knowing what I know now, I'd use a wooden stake, you know? But um, he didn't know. There was, how are you going to know? But there's no, I mean, but there's so many dumb moments in other slasher movies yes. that this is uh, literally impossible to decide. I yeah. Mean, I, the one that I think back to that's a literal dumb moment, if you're not going to count this, because it was an accident, but still it was dumb. He should have just burnt the body, salted, burnt, pulled the supernatural thing, Get moved the on with his life. Uh, but I think back to that movie Freaky and the very first scene where the girl has perfectly hidden from Vince Vaughn's character. She is inside this trap door that that only she and her family knows about and she waits like the oh yeah of two minutes and then she leaves and he stabs her oh know, yeah pins her right to the wall that is, that okay for that that for me would be the ultimate because you and i both noticed that and we were like why the fuck did she leave there's no way all he's after is an artifact like let him take what he wants he's not gonna find that room <laughs> exactly and i mean it she was hidden better than any other person any other horror movie could ever be oh yeah and she still fucked it up and so. she was comfortable there was fucking bourbon in there like you're fine <laughs> uh who's the best good boy since that's your award who Ooh. do you want to hand that to you want to give it to gordon said he since he did try to save young tommy Jar- jarvis from jason maybe that's someone who jumped out the window right and you got thought he died yes Yes. Um. God, there's so many. There's Muffin. Or do you want to give it to? The, or do you want to give it to? Is, is Muffin the name of the dog from Part th- or Two that yes. uh, may or may not have been killed Correct. at the end of the movie by Jason? Yes, that's Muffin. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who else. There's so many good boys that we've seen in these films. There's uh, Petey Possum from Art the Clown Part. You know, Terrifier Two. Just remember Petey Possum. Yeah. He was already dead, but still, he you know. He, yeah. he was a certified good possum until he died. A certified good possum. Uh, no, I will not be picking any possums. Uh, God, look, I said I could pick a certified good boy, and here I am not picking a certified good boy. There's been so many of them. Um, Don't you dare pick that one that, that brought Freddy back. Don't you dare oh, pick him. I'm not he, picking Rufus. No, because Rufus, <laughs> I mean, you got to do something. Rufus tried, I think, well, what makes Rufus a good boy is that he he tried to save his owner and wake him up. Okay, okay. But that doesn't make so. him the ultimate good boy. I'm going through the movies right now. Um, I mean, Theta is just an innocent victim. It was, She was, she's like a pit bull. It's how they raised her, you know? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Gordon's the only one that I know of that actively tried to save his master. Yeah. Because uh, I think about that dog that was in Friday the 13th Part 8, and it just got the fuck out of there whenever, uh, you know, Jason came after the final girl in that movie. You know, uh, it just it was oh, there Oh, the Australian was, Shepherd? Yeah, and he yeah. comes back at the end of the movie after everything is, you know, after Jason's been dealt with. He's like, all right, you di- I'm back now, fools, you know. You know what the problem with that Australian Shepherd, and I have an Australian Shepherd, the problem with that dog is he's too fucking smart. He's like, no, this is dangerous, and if she can't realize she needs to get the fuck out of here, I can't save her. Like, here, <laughs> he did try to save her. He's like, follow me, bitch. <laughs> get away from we, these people. We can't pick any dogs in the Halloween franchise because 
Michael Myers eats dogs. So yeah, uh, they're right out. They don't really make it. Um, I I I got nothing. Honestly, I'm literally then, going through all these, and I can't remember the. There was no doggy in Ready the, or Not. There was a dog that was killed in high tension. It was the family dog that tried to take out the the female, you know, uh, killer in that one. Um, I can't think of one that survived to the end that was like that made that big of an impact as Gordon. Like Gordon Mm-mm. stands out it has amongst to be, all the dogs. It has to be Gordon, I guess. Uh, I swear there's another one because even you put the dog's name in the in the show notes and I can't remember which one it is. So we're gonna we're gonna pick Gordon. He's our number one good yeah. boy of this coverage of slasher films because we have so many more slasher films to cover. Yeah, there there's a lot. Um and so many good uh, so many good boys to be discussed in when a- bad animals go bad. <laughs> which we're doing that after zombie season because if I have to endure zombie season I we have to have a refresher. It's gonna have to be when bad animals go bad. You can't just go right into human horror because they're basically the same thing. Zombie movies are about humans being terrible to no, each other. No. I mean, we, we'll need an in betweener. And human horror, I'd like to push away as much as possible. <laughs> it's gonna be gross because we're gonna cover the human centipede, and you know, I'm good. I've seen it, but do you have you seen yeah, any of them? I haven't, uh, but, we also, but we, but Hey, we get to also cover the good son and that's a fucking yes, good movie. That's a really good movie. So from what I remember, I should say, so I I've heard it holds up. So, I mean, just, and Macaulay Culkin was a good evil child actor. I'll yeah. That way. He did really good. So yeah. Um, I love this movie. I, I, I've said it before this, so it's no like, you know, and, and I re when rewatching it again, I laughed at the same places. I cried at the same places. Uh, I, I love this movie. I, I just, it's one that I generally watch every year around Halloween. It really <laughs> is. Um, this movie, I, I don't know why I expected less of it. You've been talking it up so much. You, you tell me about a lot of movies that you like though. And I'm like, okay. And some of them I like and some of them I don't. It just that's just how it plays out. But I really did like this one. It helps that it was a um, horror comedy, which I, there hasn't been one horror comedy that I've hated so far of this season that we've watched. Yeah, they're, so, I mean, we, we kind of hit the best ones, but yeah, it, I mean, they're, they're pretty good whenever they really hit. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, one, I had the low expectations too, it was actually really, really, really good. That mixing it with, um, totally killer was awesome. I'm glad we've got to review them both at the same time. Yeah, I. I was struggling through the entire season to, to match up Final Girls with anything. And when the Totally Killer came out, I was like, that's it. That's oh, yeah. The movie. This is it right here. And for those fucking heckling me and telling me, oh, you need to watch Totally Killer. Wow, motherfuckers, you need to watch the Final Girls if you haven't watched it. Because you need to watch it. That's all I can tell you. You've listened to the podcast. You know how I feel. Yeah, I mean, if they if they like Totally Killer, they'll love Final Girls because I feel like it's the better version of the two films. I, I like both, but I think Final Girls is the better better movie. Yeah, um, you know, it's it, it's got a better concept to it, in my opinion. Uh, better songs, uh, better leads in it. I mean, I love Karen and Chipka, but everybody else in Totally Killer is kind of secondary to her. Yeah, uh, I feel I feel like everybody in this movie kind of stands their ground. I mean, all the supporting characters 
do work to make you care for their characters, even the mean girl. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they know their role. Yeah. And they, and they play into it. Um, I think it was a good one to end on. Uh, I don't know what we'll end on when we do this again, uh, sometime in the future, but this was a pretty good one to, to end on just because of the, I mean, it, we spent a whole season talking about slashers and final girls and this, that's what this movie is. I mean, yeah. The, well, you know, the, the, by the looks of it, by what I've seen in, in the news and I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing or how old it is, or if it's just not going to happen. It looks like there's allegedly supposed to be a final girls too. The thinking there about was, it. There was going to be one Aww. and what they had talked about, they were going to do it for the sequel is, you know, the, they, and they set it up in this cause I, I watched for it and they said it, uh, Max mentions that she doesn't know her father. Her father actually is the actor, the stunt man who played Billy Murphy. Oh yeah. So in final girls two, she was going to, uh, somehow escape from the sequel back into the real world, uh, and then, and Billy would follow her. And then her dad, who was actually the one who played Billy originally was going to have to help her defeat Billy in yeah. the real world, what it was going to amount to. That'd be kind of cool. It was a good concept. I, and I wish that they could go, but everybody that's pr- basically been in this movie has gone on to like, have a really good fucking career. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to get them, them back now to do something like that. Especially for a film that allegedly did not do so well, which kind of sucks, you know? I, I think it missed its time. I think when this came out in 2015, uh, the slasher renaissance, the new wave of slasher was just kind of on the downtrend. People were getting more into the, like, you know, the, the stuff like the Babadook and uh, they, It Follows and that sort of thing, which, by the way, It Follows is finally getting a sequel called They Follow. So if it can get a sequel this many years later, we can get a sequel to The Final Girls. But I'm yeah. just throwing that out there. But... um I feel like that we're now with, I mean, Totally Killer and some of the other movies coming out, we're, and Thanksgiving in particular, we're getting slashers back in another resurgence. I think it would be a good time for a movie like this, to, for the sequel to this, to be reconsidered. I, I think there's, and like I said, they even if they don't go the route of bringing, you know, the father into it, which they very well could because they did set it up, they had all those other movies that they, they that uh, you know, Amanda or, or Cartwright was in, uh, maybe, you know, Max can see her mom in a different role and, you know, kind of go from there. Oh, I mean, yeah. that would be an interesting take. I mean. Yeah. I thought the way they ended it in the hospital was actually pretty funny. Oh, it was. And, and it's funny, too, because, I mean, we talked about it. Like, where do uh, slasher sequels always go? It's the next one's usually in a fucking hospital, <laughs> like Halloween 2, and that's what they were referencing. And know? he just busts through. There he is. <laughs> But I enjoyed it. Uh, the season overall was a good one. I feel like uh, I know you're going to have a rough time with zombie season. Uh, I got news for you. Zombies uh, are probably my favorite genre. Ugh. So it, it's, it's not going to be a problem for me whatsoever. Yeah. Before anyone comes at me, too, it's not that I don't like zombie films. I'll watch a zombie film. They just really get to me. And it's not something you can talk me out of. Like, just, you know, don't worry about it it's not real no like you there's a lot of things you can't convince me aren't possible so it just i don't know uh post post apocalyptia is something that just terrifies me and zombies are the forefront of that i'm sorry they just are 
Oh, they, they stand in a lot. I mean, and we'll get into that during the season. The thing about zombie movies is they're a lot more cerebral and they have a lot more meaning to them than people like to give credit. I mean, yes, there's a brains, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they usually represent something else uh, underneath. If oh the yeah. Filmmakers really good. So, uh, the, that's the reason that they, they scare people so bad. It's because even if they don't, don't do anything else, but represent the, you know, the possibility for like, you know, severe chaos during like a national, uh, you know, uh, emergency or, you know, like from a storm or something like that, uh, that just that disruption that people are not ready to deal with mentally in modern society is enough to scare people. Oh, you know? definitely. Yeah. So, and, and, and zombies represent that. And, and, and we came out of 2020, so we're very familiar with how scared people can get with the threat of a plague. And so that works in the zombies as well. You know, yeah. it's it's baked in. So that's all I have to say about that. It'll be an interesting season. Don't think that I'm going into zombie season hating zombie films. I absolutely do not hate zombie films. I just don't choose to watch them frequently. I hate, oh, I especially hate indie ones. Indie ones are so good, in my opinion. I just, they're scary. There's there's several horror comedies that are amongst the best horror comedies I would argue in the zombie genre. So we, we I mean, and you you know one of them. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you you've admitted it. So there's some there's gonna be some good films in this. Okay, to, to so go we're gonna over. have some we're gonna have some refreshers here and there because your girl's gonna need them. <laughs> All right, folks. With that, peace be with you and with your spirit. Sweet surprise Her hands are never cold She's got Betty Davis eyes She'll turn the music on you You won't have to think twice She's pure as New York snow she got Betty Davis eyes And she tease you She'll unease you of a better just to please you. She's precocious and she knows just what it takes to make a pro blush. She can 